Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. He's one of those ones that's impossible to dislike. Whatever jersey he wore, whoever he was playing, there was just something about him that we enjoyed and respected. Understated, captivating and competitive. But who is Stacey Jones? Uh, Yeah, I I mean, it's a question I've never answered before, but, uh, you know, I'm a a pretty simple bloke. uh, especially right now in my life, um, I I enjoy a beer. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy uh, a punt on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I enjoy golf and I enjoy fishing. And to be able to enjoy all that, you've got to keep your family happy. So uh, I'm very close to my family, my wife, my my children, uh, my parents, and, and whatnot. So um, to be able to do all the things I said first that uh, are luxuries to me that I really enjoy. Um, obviously, uh, my family's pretty close. Beer, punt, golf and fishing, no wonder we're mates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, during the last few months, uh, yeah, I've, uh, you know, spent some money on the punt and enjoyed yeah. a beer, a couple of mates uh, within our, our bubble, so it's been a bit of fun. You were born into rugby league. Your grandfather's a Kiwi legend who played 23 tests, a tough and uncompromising prop, Munga Emery. What do you remember of Grandad? Uh, look, I never got to saw him play, but obviously um, he was a big part of uh, why I started playing the game. Um, the game has always been in our family. Um, my my uh, uncles played it. Um, my father played played more rugby, but um, played a bit of league at the back end of his his career when he, he got older. And, and my older brothers played it. So uh, really my, my memories of my grandfather aren't... Um, um, from his playing days because I never got to see him play, but just um, you know, uh, heard stories from guys that he played with. Mm. Uh, but my grandfather obviously was a big um, support to me. Uh, actually, taught me uh, more about um, fishing uh, <laughs> and those sort of things rather than the actual playing of the game. He was a front row. Yeah, so, a bit different. Yeah, he actually played in probably the most famous Auckland side of all time. In 1961, Auckland beat the Touring Kangaroos 13-8 at Carlaw Park. Have you heard stories from that magical day? Uh, actually, no, I haven't, Andy. Um, you know, I heard more about it as, as playing uh, for the Kiwis, uh, more up in the, the – when he went up to England and yep. played up there and against some tough French teams, but – I never um, heard too many stories about um, you know, when he played against Australia and, and that one in particular. You were born in 76, so I'd assume the all-black side of the late 80s were the national heroes. Names like Buck Shelford, Zinzan Brook, Grant Fox, Sean Fitzpatrick, to name a few. 
despite your family lineage in rugby league, was rugby union ever a serious option for you as a kid? Oh, look, uh, I guess if you never played rugby um, at uh, growing up as a kid in New Zealand, you were a minority. So, uh, yeah, I, I dabbled in a little bit. Uh, my father was more of a, a rugby man than a than a league man. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, got up all hours of the morning to watch um, the All Blacks play and was a, a massive fan of theirs. But, you know, my passion was rugby league and, and the rugby league, the Kiwis of the 80s were my my heroes or the, the guys that I looked up to. Which names stand out as rugby league heroes from that era? Oh, you know, the obvious ones for me, you know, Clayton Friend and Gary Freeman. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you had the Tarmides, Mark Graham, Dean Bell, um, you know, the Sorensons, uh, James Lulawai. There's a, a, that 80s team, um, especially I think it was around 1985 was my first real memories when they had a real good test series against Australia. Yeah. I think they got beaten 2-1, to one, um, New Zealand won 18 nil in, in 85. And, you know, that was a, a, a very fond memory that, that I have of, of that era. You grew not a whole lot to an impressive <laughs> five foot seven and 82 kilos as an NRL player. Were you the little kid as a junior? Uh, yeah, I was, you know, always fairly small. Yeah. Um, I think five sevens probably pushing it a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I was always small. Um, you know, I had the luxury of, of having two older brothers um, that were much bigger than me. Uh, so I grew up in a bit of a, you know, a knockabout sort of yeah. a, a group of brothers where, um, you know, I get bashed around a little bit. So yeah. I was fortunate that it gave me a bit of a, a good good upbringing. Was footy just fun or was it a goal? Oh, it was fun. Yeah. You know, um, it was fun. I guess it wasn't really – it was more of a goal when I probably got there. But, yep. look, it was always fun, you know, playing in the back backyard, even just, you know, kicking the ball around by yourself, um, those memories. But, you know, footy was always fun. Early 90s before you came through, before there was such a thing as the Warriors. What did you think you'd be doing in later life? Uh, yeah, good question. I'm not too sure, actually. Um, yeah, look, my father was always um, um, very pushy towards getting an apprenticeship if you, yep. you know, went to go on and get a degree or anything like that. So I'd imagine I would have you know, probably fallen down down those that path of, you know, maybe it was a builder or a plumber or electrician. He was massive on pushing you know, his kids towards uh, making sure that we, you know, hadn't, uh, you know, had an apprenticeship or or went on and got a degree. So it probably wasn't going to be a degree. <laughs> <laughs> you played Lion Red Cup in '94, the domestic competition. As a young footballer, the Warriors arrived in New Zealand at the perfect time for a kid with a bit of talent, didn't they? Yeah, it was perfect timing uh, when I look back and the hype around the Warriors coming into the competition because, you know, that, that early 90s um, period, the game of rugby league took a massive boost in, in New Zealand. Um, it started to uh, – uh, it was more on TV. Sky Sport had just started and, you know, they had, you know, three or four games every weekend on TV and it gave it a massive boost in the hype around the Warriors coming into 95 just sort of really – um, was a cream on the top for the game to to take a, a real boost in this country. April 23, 1995, you make your NRL debut. You came off the bench versus Para in a 
absolute flogging. I think you got them 40 points to four. What do you recall of your debut? Uh Look, it was it was back in the time when you only had two fresh reserves. I don't know if you remember that, yeah. Andy. Yeah, so I played um, played reserve grade that day. Um, previous to um, all of those rounds, I'd sat on the bench for the, the first grade um, after playing reserve grade, yeah. and there was about eight or nine blokes that would sit on the bench. And um, I was fortunate enough to get a run that day. The team were up by um, a fair amount, and I came on the field and I actually stole a try from from Phil Blake. So. Uh, yeah, um, memories of that. I think I only played about three or four minutes, and then probably the one and only time I went to the blood bin in my whole career. <laughs> You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend Series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. Greg Alexander was the team halfback that year. He was injured for a fortnight. You stood in his place and this kid did enough in two games to hold on to the position and move Brandy to fullback. Your rise from unknown to the man was quick. Did it feel like everything was happening fast? Yeah, it did. Um, I guess I was fortunate, um, you know, not in a, in a good way, but um, the team um, weren't performing at the time. Yep. And the coach, John Maney, who I'm very thankful for, for giving me my first start, mm. um, gave me an opportunity when the team wasn't going too good. And there was a few other blokes, young guys that got a run too. So uh, I was very lucky. And, you know, I was very lucky to play with Brandy and, and learn from him and see how he went about business so you know I had a good good mentor um, yeah. at that time that was one of the real positives for New Zealand rugby league I thought when the Warriors came in yes there were some big names and yes there were some old hardheads but it was the birth of a new era very exciting young Kiwis getting the opportunity to play at a home ground yeah look I guess you know from a, a international point of view um, it, it certainly helped the New Zealand rugby league with having a Warriors team and the competition, and you know, it also um, opened the eyes up more for um, Australian teams, and it's happening uh, right yeah. now where they're coming over here and grabbing all the talent. So um, I guess in the early days it wasn't so much, but it you know it certainly was getting bigger. So the talent um, in New Zealand was cert- certainly coming out and it, and helped the international game. Does that get frustrating over the years? Yes, it's wonderful to see young Kiwi boys realise their dream and make some money and play NRL, but does it get frustrating as a guy who wants to keep them all in New Zealand and let them play for the Warriors? Oh, when you're part of a, the coaching group, yeah, yeah without a doubt <laughs> now. But, uh, look, I understand. We understand the, the way that it is and you know, our game um, is all about opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes... Um, you know, there's there's young Kiwis in here um, that are growing up in New Zealand that need to get out of New Zealand and, and get a fresh start, and we've seen that happen multiple times. So, um, yeah, we wish um, that they would all stay in yeah. New Zealand and play for the Warriors, but, you know, that ain't going to happen. Let's go back to 1995, and later in the year, you were selected to represent your country. You've always been very laid back, a, a cool dude who doesn't show emotion or let it get to him. 
But how did it feel knowing you had been selected for the national team? Uh, yeah, look, it, it was a dream come true again. When you know, at, at that time, I think about um, you know, when you look back at we spoke about that eighties era. Yeah, you know, even you know, talking about what my grandfather and playing for New Zealand. So it certainly was a proud moment for myself and and my family. Um, but I was very um, fortunate at that time. Um, the coach um, being Frank Endicott, who mm. I knew was our reserve grade coach at the Warriors, and and there was a whole lot of uh, Warrior players that were in that team too. I had some really good mates, you know, um, playing there as well. Yeah. So I was really lucky, you know. I, you know, another good mentor of mine, um, Stephen Kearney, was in that team. Um, Gene Namu, Pietrocasini, Sidiru, who you know, we all became very very close with. That World Cup was held in the UK. It's a very different place to what you were used to in Auckland. Was that your first big trip away and what type of experience was it for a 19-year-old kid? Yeah. Uh, yeah, looking back, there was a few little things that went on at the time. Yep. We weren't sure if we were going to be playing or not. Uh, yeah. I remember there was a pay dispute and, you know, for me, I just, um, you know, I just wanted to play rugby league, but yeah. I understand now, um, you know, what the senior players were, were trying to achieve. Crazy times in our game, 95, the pay disputes in that World Cup. Super League signed players were banned from representing Australia. What do you recall of the headlines, the news, and all this talk of a rival competition and is the World Cup on and is the World Cup off? Are you thinking, hang on, guys, I want to live my dream here and play for the Kiwis? Yeah, look, Andy, at, at that time, I don't have, you know, um, a very clear memory of what was going on. Yeah. I, I you know, the, the, the headlines, what was happening in the, the media or whatnot wasn't a, a, a big deal to me at the time. Um, you know, I listened to what the older players were, were talking and what they were thinking and, um, you know, they were just saying stay tight with what's happening yeah. with the group and whatnot. So at, at that um, point of time, it was really a, a blur to me what was going on. As a 19-year-old, which players did you look up to? Which players did you listen to? Who were the old hardheads that took you under their wing and looked after you? Um, yeah, I've always already mentioned Stephen Kearney. Yep. Um, you know, he's, he was a big part of that part. My career, Brandy, again, yep. I mentioned him um, at the Warriors, Dean Bell. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate enough to have, you know, some really good, strong leadership um, players that I played with and... Um, and the Kiwis, Matthew Rich was one. Yeah. You know, you know, very strong um, personality. But you know, I know Richie, how he um, played the game was very tough. But off the field, he he cared about you know his, his younger players. Did you enjoy the off the field elements of rugby league as a young bloke? The travel, the different countries, the different lifestyles. Yeah, I did. Um, but I also, um, you know. When it was too long away from home, I, I missed home. But, yeah. look, again, I, I enjoy, um, you know, having a beer after the game, yeah. um, shared with the players, going back to the hotel, um, you know, and having a beer. And, you know, back in those days, you could enjoy it a lot more. There was yes. no social media, so um, we didn't have to worry too much, you know, guys sort of being young blokes and yep. making fools out of themselves. So, um, and, and that happened, but... Um, you know, I really enjoyed it, and I look back at it with, with some really good memories. And you know, we never did anything that was that was bad. We just, you know, made fools out of ourselves yeah. sometimes. 
your Kiwi debut, you replaced Gary Freeman as the national number seven. Huge boots to fill. The Wiz was a national hero. Was there pressure to perform immediately for you? Um, when I look back, that I didn't feel it, you know, um, because I, I do remember clearly Frank Endicott and, and Matthew Richard Capman at the time saying, just go out there and enjoy yourself and yep. you know, play your own game. So, you know, that obviously took a lot of pressure off me, but... You know, it wasn't looking like it was going to last too long. We were playing Tonga and we were down. I can't remember what we were down by. It might have been eight points with, yeah. you know, not long to go. So it was looking like it was going to be a disastrous uh, debut. But, um, you know, again, I, I look back at that and, and, like you said, filling Gary Freeman's boots, yeah. who was a you know, an idol of mine, you know, was something that, you know, I, I you know, didn't take for granted. I, you know, I knew that... Um, um, it was something that I, you know, um, you know, had to be gr- humble for, and yep. uh, yeah, look, I look back on it and with some some good memories. The Warriors were Super League affiliated. Did you simply, as a 19, 20 year old, just follow the advice of the senior guys and stick together? as a unit because a lot of clubs in Australia didn't stick together as a unit and and playing groups sort of splintered off? Um, yeah, when I look back at it, um, I remember just whispers going on as yeah. a young – I wasn't part of the this is what's happening because I hadn't at the time um, uh, made my uh, NRL debut, so I was part of the reserve grade uh, team then. Um, so I wasn't really privy to what was actually happening at that time. Um, so I think what happened, they signed all the the um, NRL players, um, and then a couple of days later, John Money grabbed myself. Uh, Joe Vargana was another player in yeah. that group. Um, I can't remember who else. might have been Tony Tatupu and got us into his room and said, boys, go to this hotel. Um, knock on this door, whatever room it was, yeah. you'll meet a guy and he said, you know, his last words um, John said to us was, don't miss the boat. So that's all he said. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we didn't have, we had a little bit of an idea, but once we got into the room and, and um, at that time, um, walked out with a smile on my face. <laughs> it was like Christmas had arrived early, wasn't it? You hadn't played a game and someone wanted to give you more money for not playing a game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Um, however, I, I, I wish it was probably three or four months later where I had to, probably played a few more in a few NRL games. And yeah, so, I mean, I, on the scale of things, uh, my Super League uh, check was right down the bottom of what everyone else, but that's the way it is. That's the way it goes. So, uh, but I was happy at the time. Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. Mate, looking back at Super League, I still believe the concept was right on the money 
but maybe the execution could have been improved. As we sit here some 25 years later, is that a fair call? Or, or what do you believe about Super League and the concept of it? Yeah. Um, no, 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 that's a fair call, Andy. I, again, um, being a young guy at the time when it was all happening, and, and you can understand the frustration of you know, the people that have been part of the game for a long time, the history, you know, some of these clubs that aren't around anymore yep. um, or part of the NRL, you totally understand the frustration and and how it went about and, and could have been done better, possibly. However, um, it enabled the game to grow. It, it yeah. became a, a big business um, and it enabled, um, you know, players to, you know, get a, a real good earn out of the game yep. for putting their body on the line for a certain amount of time or window in their, in their life. So um, it had to happen. Um, was it the right way? Um Possibly not, but it's happened and, and the game's better for it. The volume of coaches at the Warriors in the first decade, John Money, Frank Endicott, Big Mark Graham, Daniel Anderson, Tony Kemp, who had the biggest influence on you, do you think? Oh, look, they all had an influence in, in some way or another. Obviously, John Money um, gave me my debut, so um, you know, very very thankful to him for, you know, for trusting in me and giving me that opportunity. Frank Endicott, I had a very close relationship, you know, in reserve grade and then going into the Kiwis. Mark Graham um, came in probably the toughest period of anyone, really, um, um, two years. And, you know, I learned, you know, a lot lot from Mark about, you know, how, how he played the game, but he didn't necessarily say we had to play it like him. Mark was very smart in how he went about things, but... Unfortunately for him, um, coming in at a time when we'd lost a lot of um, um, experience at that time, so it was was tough for Mark. And then Daniel came in, and and probably Daniel I learnt the most from as far as um, football went. You know, he, um, um, you know, the fundamentals of the game, the the technical side of the game, um, he probably taught me and the rest of the playing group more about that than anyone. And, you know, and I think he'd been under, because he'd been under Brian Smith and yeah. the way he coached. Um, Tony Kemp, who we had as a um, assistant coach, or, you know, I thought was a really good um, backup for, for Daniel yeah. at the time, um, was very supportive and knowing that, you know, he played the game and what he went through was was very good. But uh, Kemp, he only had one year as a head coach and, and it really turned tough for him when, we got off to a bad start. I think it was in 2004 when he took over from Ando. So all of the coaches there, I, I learned something from. Um, and, you know, I have, have good memories of them all. Are you a footy head? Do you love the tactical, technical side of the game, talking footy, analysing your game, analysing your opposition game? Is is that you or are you a free spirit? I, I think I'm, I'm an in-between. Yeah. Um, Really, I certainly can switch off and go. No, I don't need it anymore. Or yeah. you know, I can get in depth. And you know, I think um, when I look back uh, now as being a coach, um, I probably wish I had been more of a footy head than um, the other side. So, um, but the good thing now is that you you, you know you, there's a balance to it too. Yeah. You know, you can't be too technical. To you know, they've got to be here or be there because out on the field, um, things happen so quickly. 
And, you know, that's as a coach, it's what you've got to try and understand that as well. So, but also give them the right amount of information. It's a wonderful ability to have that ability to switch off from football because sadly, not all young men and not all young rugby league players have the ability to switch off. They live it 24-7, and I guess it's got the potential to occupy too much headspace and burn you out extremely quickly. Yeah, and I think nowadays more so, I think it's, you know, um, because it's a big business and players can earn, um, you know, some really good money that they know that their career can, you know, be for only a certain amount of time, and I, and I think that they've somehow got to be like that. But, you know, the the good ones are able to probably switch off and go home and, and just take a, you know, a back seat with everything, whereas, you know, if you can get too emotional about it and to focus too much on it, it can become very, very tough. So, But I feel that the players probably need to be, you know, in the moment more now with footy when they turn up to work. They've got to make sure that they're, they're ready to go and, you know, right now at the Warriors, you can you know you can see that the really good players do that, and players that aren't quite as good, um, you know, probably don't last as long. Off the field, the business model of the Warriors club was questionable. They were sold twice, bankrupt in the first year, six years as well. Eric Watson bought in in two thousand. Was he the saviour? Um, I, you know, looking back, yes, um, because I don't know if he didn't take over. Um, would the club have still been around? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Would the NRL have come in and taken over the club? Possibly. Um, but someone needed to step in at that time. Um, the owners at that time, I remember it was very tough for them. Um, you know, they were losing money. Um, they couldn't pay the players um, um, for a couple of months there. So uh, I guess when you look back at it, yeah, he, he was. It appeared at this time players were preparing to walk away from the instability of the club. You were the first to re-sign and show faith in Eric Watson and his crew. Was that a gamble? Did it come with risk or pressure? Or were you confident in your decision that it was the right thing to do? Um, I felt at the time um, it was the right thing to do, but only because there was no certainty you know, with the, um, the 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 owners at the time, um, like I said, we hadn't been paid for for a couple of months, so and they were saying, "Yeah, you'll be getting paid." So I mean, that was difficult at the time, and and you know, and then I had a lot of players at the time saying, "What are we going to do? What are you going to mm-hmm. do?" You know, so I had you know, and we were going away to a World Cup, um, so we're going to be away for you know um, two months, and you know, I was very keen to get. Um, my future sorted as well as you know there's probably eight or nine other young younger players in the team that were looking for some direction at the time and uh, Matthew Ridge was a part of um, the Eric Watson group so I had you know, meetings with, with Ridgie and you know and every time I spoke to Ridgie he was always pretty pretty honest with what was what was happening so um, yeah, it was very difficult times um, around that era of the club. We hope you're enjoying the Legend Series, Stacey Jones, Part 1. In Part 2, we speak about the Warriors' first grand final, his move to France and any regrets in a simply captivating interview with one of the all-time greats. 
The rugby league talk here won't stop just because of the off-season. To help us out in continuing to bring you podcasts like you've never heard before, subscribe to The Potty and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you may be listening. Come back soon. Legends. Legends.